I'm Kay Montgomery. This is Black Crew Call, and I'm excited to invite you to part two of my interview with the legendary John Simmons. Listen, if you listen to part one, you already know this man's resume is insane. He's done over 25 TV shows. He has four Emmys, a plethora of Emmy nominations. He's an integral part of the American Society of Cinematographers. He is doing the hardcore work into bringing African-American people into the fold and diversity in general when it comes to cinematography. You can see his work currently in the Netflix show, Those People, as a still photographer. I invite you guys just to sit back and chill, bask in these gems that he's about to continue to drop. This is my interview with John Simmons. You just tell me about the transition of being um, being at USC and then encountering racism when you first got to the set and the the kind of uh, your your mentors championing championing you and kind of challenging you and telling you, you know, hey, yeah. this is this is what you got to do. And you went through it and made it out the other side. So, I, I mean, just just hearing that story really informs when I was studying up about you, I went, oh, okay. of course, of course, ASC, the vision committee is super important to him. And he would create that opportunity for other people because of what he's been through. So can you tell us a little bit about um, the vision committee and how that whole well, thing came to be? Here's, here's the thing is, even as early as my music video days, I made it a point to make my crews look like the world we live in. Mm, wow. I wanted, when I was working, I felt like I was going to a police station every day. Wow. I would look in the room and see nothing but white folks, mm. men, mm-hmm. no women, no women, no people, of, no people of color, Yep, you know? And I decided early on that, when I became in charge, I was going to make my environment one that any young person could crack the door open and look inside and see a possibility mm. of them being able to do that. That's what became important to me. So you could pretty much say I was involved in the vision committee long before there was a vision committee. I have to tell you a little bit about the ASC before I tell you that story. ASC is over 100 years old. Actually, it's 103 years old. And when I got into the ASC, there was like 350 members. And there were three Black ones. Wow. Yeah, there was Don Morgan. Tell us what ASC stands for. ASC stands for the American Society of Cinematographers. And it's an organization that its responsibility is to champion cinematographers and the best cinematographers in the world are members of the ASC. And it's an organization that you can't solicit membership to. Mm. People have to look at your work over a period of time and you're invited to be interviewed. I made a music video called Little Ass G for Ice Cube. And a friend of mine was an IT guy. He was a white dude. Mm-hmm. He was an IT guy. And he's putting together some equipment at the American Society of Cinematographers building. 
And he calls me up and he says, Johnny, there's a bunch of old white men looking at a video of Ice Cube. I'm sure you made it, <laughs> right? <laughs> he said, Ice Cube is doing this and doing that. I said, yeah, that's my video. And he says, uh, well, there's a, some guys sitting at the table watching it. I said, oh, okay, right? So that's how it's done. You know, we look for up and coming cinematographers that we follow and look at their careers and eventually invite them into the business. And, and when you that, first came in, there were three out of how well, many? Out of like three 300 and something. Wow. But that's not unusual because in the, when I first started shooting, out of 2,500 cinematographers in the motion picture union, I think there was only about three, you know? Wow. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's racist. You have to look at it like this. You know the movie Birth of the Nation? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, you know what it's about? Yes. You know, it's about white supremacy, mm -hmm. right? Yep, it is. Well, about white terror, about criminalizing yeah. white people, scaring white people, and also the first, uh, the first film ever made, right? Well, pretty much, but check it out. That's the cornerstone of the motion picture industry. Mm, that's such a good point. The sons and daughters and granddaughters and great-granddaughters and great-grandsons are still a part of this industry. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of things that people don't realize are very current. Like my father, born in 1902, he was 14 years old when Harriet Tubman died. Wow. Which means that he grew up in a community of freed slaves. Mm -hmm. That puts me one generation away from that. Wow. And the sons and daughters, I mean, there's somebody my age who was on the opposite side of the fence. That's right. You know, yep. <laughs> whose father was was one of the people the slaves was running from. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we're also just one generation away from that. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't seem to realize how close that situation is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the industry, in order to get into the ASC, you have to garner a body of work, a quality resume. The industry doesn't provide that kind of opportunity for people. It's like a, almost like a, a stroke of luck whenever you see a black cinematographer of my age getting somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like someone looks at my resume, like you said a lot of stuff about me at the beginning of this. And if somebody looks at my IMDb, and if those kinds of things impress them, they'd be quite impressed because there's a long list of credits. Mm -hmm. Yep. I didn't, I didn't get through half of those credits. And it looks like a career. But for me, it's a series of, series of coincidences. A series of, I can't say no to this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like there were many choices. Those were the things that, you know, my life took me to. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard, okay? It's hard for people to um, 
to make it in this business and to be able to get the quality of work for us to ask them to be members of the ASC. Because once you have a membership meeting, your work, your resume goes to the entire membership. Wow. And how big is the membership now? You said before. It's it was like 400 and maybe about 450 people okay. around the world. And all those people could have something to say about your work. And not only that, but those people um, at a certain point don't know whether you're black, white. Yeah, they might know if you're Asian because of your name. They might know that you're of uh, 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 Hispanic origin because of your name. But when you see John Simmons, you know, or Bradford Young, mm -hmm. you know, you don't know, if you don't know anything about us, you don't know we're black, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's all based on the quality of the work. So it makes it a little bit difficult for the industry to funnel people to us, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm also the vice president of the ASC. Okay, awesome. And, um, you go into that building, and on the walls, it's the history of the ASC. You see all these photographs. <laughs> you don't see any Black people on there. Yeah. You don't see, you just see old white men, you know. But the industry is actually changing now. We have a lot of women. The numbers of Black cinematographers is increasing, you know, all the time. Awesome. Um, Progress is slow. It's easier for white women to get in than black men because the industry will give them a job before they'll give a brother a job or a sister a job. That's interesting. So then what would your advice be specifically to black people um, coming into cinematography? What would Don't be do your it. No, I was just kidding. No. <laughs> no. Just I'm playing. keeping it real with y'all listening. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, I think that we have very important stories to tell. And I think that if we have to tell them with iPhones or if we have to tell them with, you know, professional cameras, mm -hmm. I think our voice is important. But when I want to tell Black people to get into cinematography, I just want them to know that it's a long road and that it's a road to require study, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you really have to study. I mean, Carlton Moss, the man that I told you about, said I was painting houses at the time while I was an undergraduate. I mean, when I was at USC, I had a Volkswagen with brushes in it and I'd be painting, painting houses for people because I had a kid and a wife and I had to make money. Even though I was on school and scholarship, and Carlton hooked me up. He said, hey, man, I got a house for you to paint. He gave me the address. And it was in Beverly Hills. And as I drove through the neighborhood, the houses became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I knock on the door. And a woman in a maid's outfit answers the door, just like you would expect, you know? Yeah. And she says, Mr. Heisler is in the back in the garage. He's waiting for you. I had all my paint clothes on. I was ready to go. I walk around to the back. It's about a garage that can hold about four cars. And 
um, the walk around the house was a long walk. <laughs> and he had um, this elevated area where all the tools were and their cabinets. So I can't see him. I had, Mr. Heisler, I'm back here. And I go back there and it's this old white dude sitting in a chair. Got a bottle of whiskey sitting next to him at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh-oh. And he said, you want some Jack Daniels? Oh. I said, no, I don't want Jack Daniels. He said, you don't like Jack Daniels? I said, I don't like any alcohol at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he says to me, he says, are you a cinematographer or a cameraman? I said, I'd like to think of myself as a cinematographer. He said, good answer, because any fool with a camera can be a cameraman. He said, reach over there on that shelf and hand me that green book right there. And it was called Aristotle's Poetics. And it was 14 pages that is the structure of drama. And he said, anybody who wants to be a real cinematographer needs to know this book. Hmm. You need to know what the protagonists and antagonists want. You need to know when to do a close-up, how fast to move a camera, what lens to put on the camera. This book will help you understand that. So every Saturday, I'd go out there with my paint clothes on, wondering when was I ever going to paint something. <laughs> and he would set me down and take apart Aristotle's Poetics. Wow. And I learned the structure of drama from him. You did? Yeah. And, well, I had already touched upon it in school, but we took it apart and we compared it to other stories and incidents yes. and life and things on the news, you know. And it, it really made a difference in terms of how I work as a cameraman. You know, um, how to tell the story. There's a woman that's being honored this month at the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. She's going to get an Oscar. And her Oscar is called the Governor's Award. Oh, yeah. and, it's, and it's a woman named Usan Palsy. And Usan Palsy oh, made a film called A Dry White Season with Marlon Brando and Donald Sutherland. And it was about apartheid. It's a dramatic story about South Africa. She made another film called Sugarcane Alley. I did two movies with her. I did one, the Ruby Bridges story about the little girl, first girl yep. that integrated to schools. Yep. And I did another film called The Killing Yard, which was about the Attica uprising at Attica Prison in New York. And Luzon is brilliant. She's from Martinique. And she's, she's very smart and she knows how to tell the story. A lot of people don't know who Francois Truffaut is, but Francois Truffaut is a very famous French maker, French filmmaker. She used to be his assistant and she learned well. And I watch her when I would work with her and you could tell that she knew the structure of drama mm -hmm. because people feel like you need to do a close-up just because you're in a scene. 
sometimes she would just let the scene play. And I'd say, are we going to do a close-up of the lady over there who's important to the story? She says, not now, because she's not important to the story now. You know, mm -hmm. and when you see her, when you do see her close up, it'll be important. Wow. I just got finished doing an episode of Grey's Anatomy with Debbie Allen. I love Debbie Allen, legend. She's my best friend. We I, have, is she really? That's awesome. Yeah, I also she's... saw that you, we have, you have to talk a little bit about um, how you still do photography work. And I saw recently that a photo that you took, it was a beautiful black and white of a young black girl, um, dark skinned black, little black girl with an ice cream cone. And I saw that Debbie yeah. Allen bought that photograph for Ava DuVernay. Yeah. And Ava said, she's going to find that little girl. Good luck. I shot that picture when I was 16 years old. No way. <laughs> That's that little girl. Is she? She got to be like almost sixty. Are you serious? Are that, yeah. but that photo was from your Chicago days when you were sixteen, working yeah. for the paper. Wow. Yeah, and Debbie Allen, wow. when I was doing the scenes with uh, Debbie for uh, Grey's Anatomy, Jesse Williams was directing the episode. Oh, you but, just had a, but you guys just had a bunch of heavy hitters on that one. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> something happened that. Jesse had to take care of, and he asked Debbie to direct this day for him. Mm -hmm. And she started talking about the logic of actions, what logically would happen. Logically, not only to the story, mm -hmm. but logically in relationship to the space you're working in. Mm -hmm. And it just opened up a whole new window for me. You know, and kind of messed up my TV watching because <laughs> my wife Cynthia and I were watching something on TV the other day and I said that's not logical mm. that's, I mean in the course of the drama you get hung up in it and kind of overlook that it's illogical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not but whatever they were doing in this particular show wasn't logical it yeah. wasn't it wasn't what no, I see that oftentimes too. Yeah. I'll be like, mm -mm, that yeah, reaction yeah. is wrong. But it's yeah. interesting also in camera work. So I've never, of course, because I'm not a cinematographer, I've never thought about that in relation to yeah. camera work. Um so I I think it's important that people coming up in cinematography don't take these experiences for granted. Mm -hmm. Um we're like a hard drive on a computer. We have to download every event that mm -hmm. comes in our life because it completely relates to what one day we may have to put on the screen. So, well, so here's my question for like, you then. Do you feel like here, here's if you want to do a plug for your alma mater, if you want to do a plug for USC, you can. Um, because everyone can film, you know, everyone can film something because everybody has a phone now. Right. How important is the film school experience specifically for cinematographers, you think? You know, I actually think there was a time that I didn't really think that film school was important, mm -hmm. but I do think it's important because there's a lot of equipment there. You learn a lot of stuff. Like I took a math, I took a sound class in film school. That's like it was damn near like a math class. When I'm on the set and I'm dealing with the sound department, no mm -hmm. telling who you're gonna get. You know what I'm saying? And I have to like. They might tell me they can't do something that I'm trying to do because the microphone 
well, I know enough about sound that I can say, why can't you do it? Why can't you do this or that? You know, right. I know enough about electricity not to let that be a problem. What I also learned from Carlton Moss and the old guy who read uh, the poetics to me was can't, the word can't, can't be in a cinematographer's vocabulary. You know, something different, mm -hmm. a different approach can, but the word can't doesn't exist. Wow. You have to be able to get the thing done, you know? And that, you know, that's the thing. And I learned that and from those cats, you know what I mean? I mean, but like I was saying, everything that we live and breathe as artists becomes part of it. I look at you in that room. Look at that microphone. I look at that doorknob behind you. I look at the space you're taking up on your screen. And I remember it. Maybe I might have to do a lady doing a Zoom. Do I want? <laughs> do I want it to look like this? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Love it. So every moment becomes a, a teaching moment, mm -hmm. you know, for me, just by the nature of that. And oh. you were talking about my still photographs. You know, I grew up in the 1960s as a teenager, which was a really hip period. Lots of poets, mm -hmm. lots of dance, lots of revolutionaries, the Black Panthers, civil rights, free love, you know, all you just name it, the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Lots of people were expressing themselves in a lot of ways. You know, it's funny how life can give you what you need. My father, like I said, was born in 1902. And he was a successful cat, but he only went to the eighth grade. But he was a good hustler. He was all about the streets and he did well. And my mother had gone to school for two years of college. So for some reason, the universe gave me these two people. And my mother made it a point that my sister and I would go and hear the Chicago Conservatory of music's orchestra play their rehearsals. And we got to see Leontine Price. Wow. And she'd make us go to museums. And my father would make me sit and wait for him at the gambling house all night. And <laughs> go I love the, the best of both worlds, right? The artistic, yeah. cultured mom, right. the hustling dad. He was like, I'm gonna give you some street. So hey, you gotta have street smarts, right? You can't just- Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't with that intention. It's just that that's what <laughs> that what he was doing was respectable. You know, I mean, who was successful in the black community? The preacher, the doctor, the lawyer, you know? Mm -hmm. They didn't like pimps. That wasn't a successful story. Nobody respected pimps or dope dealers. Mm -hmm. But gambling dudes that owned liquor stores and gambling rooms, that was respectable, you know? And, and, um, that's that's a thread throughout your life, right? Like, I mean, you are getting the best education, right? You're going to Fisk, yeah, going right. to USC, but then also that on the weekends you're going to Mr. Jack Daniel's house and he's breaking down the Aristotle book for you, and you're I can I can see that throughout your life, right? Yeah, it's not just book knowledge. You're like a sponge. You're absor you're absorbing information from all. <coughs> 
And I feel like that's something that could be um, translated to our people that are listening now that are interested in cinematography. It's not all about going yeah. and what you're learning in school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have to learn. You have yeah. those mentors. And it seems like you have had a lot of mentors in, yeah. in your life, you know, from the beginning up until even now, you're talking about stuff yeah. that you're learning from Debbie Allen. You know, she blew your mind, she opened your mind. So why is mentoring or giving back? I mean, you're doing this podcast, which is definitely giving back because we have people that are interested that would never be exposed to cinematography, never be able to talk to a black cinematographer and have you kind of, you know, just tell us like it is. So I'm interested um, for you, why is giving back so important to you? Because it creates a better world. It creates a better world. It creates better people. It creates a unity with the fabric of life and humanity. That's important. It's important. We, we never know how... Well, here's a good story. I had really... I, I practice a martial art, Tai Chi. I've been doing it for 25 oh, yeah. years, right? And you know, it's a combat art. So the dude that was teaching me, he was like in his eighties and this was like 25 years ago. And I moved left when I should have moved right. My back was messed up and I had to go to a pain specialist. I'm just giving you a rundown of how mm -hmm. one thing is connected to another. Yeah. So um, I have to go get shots from this dude and I have to go there you can only get four a year cortisone or something, right? Mm -hmm. And I go on the last day to get a shot. And you're supposed to eat before you do it. I hadn't eaten. So when I leave his office, I stop to get something to eat. And I had some obstacles in the way to getting there. Like I caught the wrong freeway. I was going to pick up my son. A truck blocked the road for a long period of time. I couldn't move. And then I walk into this restaurant. I'm a vegetarian. So I walked into this restaurant and I'm standing there ordering and the door opens up and there's this cat coming out the bathroom that I taught at UCLA with like 10 years before. I taught UCLA for 26 years, oh, wow. but I had, hadn't seen the dude and his face turns completely pale. He says, Johnny, did you see two women when you walked in sitting out front? I said, I didn't see anybody. He said, come come out with me, come out with me. And there's these two women there. One of them reaches in her, he says, you know who this is? And the lady reaches in her purse and she has uh, my name and number written on a piece of paper. Huh. And she says, will you help us? We're doing a program at uh, Big Bear. That's a mountain mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, uh, resort area. And we're taking kids from underserved areas up there to uh, take some classes for the weekend. And David was saying, you could talk about photography and filmmaking. We'll bring some cameras up there. You can bring your pictures. I said, okay, cool. When is it? I had to say yes, just because of the way things unfolded. Right, you know? right. It wasn't, yeah. There wasn't a choice. So as it got closer, I started getting calls for jobs and I had to cancel shit, making money. But because I said I would do it, I went. And I get up to the mountains and these kids are just so happy to be someplace else. I mean, it's like trying to catch goldfish or something. They're like, 
not interested. And every now and then there's bursts of interest. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I get to tell them something every now and then. But when I leave there, I feel like it was a real waste of time. Mm. Two years later, I get a letter in the mail and there's a photograph of me and this girl. And she's looking into the camera and I'm standing next to her. And the letter says that she's a thank you card to me and David. And she says, I just wanted to tell you guys thank you because you gave me something to see beyond my community. And I just got accepted into college. And I wanted to say that it's because of you guys. Wow. So you never know. You never know who you're going to touch. That's why I get relationships on, there's a, somebody on Instagram right now, right? <laughs> and this person, I don't really don't even know if it's a man or a woman, right? I can't tell, right? But they're writing me and I've been writing them back. And I looked at their stuff and I'm supposed to meet with them next week. You know, I mean, I've done that with a lot of people on Instagram, had wow. phone calls because I think that it's important. And I think that you might not be able to get it. You know what I mean? Maybe, who knows? I might be the only place where you can just get it. I tell you this, I can't tell anybody how to navigate their career, but maybe I can inspire someone. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, a hundred percent, absolutely. That's like That's something that I think is important. You know, I'm, I've been very fortunate in that respect, and I just have to keep on doing this. I can't. Yeah, I mean, like right now, anybody listening to this thing. And hit me up on my email or my Instagram. You know, I mean, those that I don't know are important to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, hey, you're like Burns. You're is it called? It's called Bernstein. Is that your your mentor? Was it Bernstein or Bernstein? No, Carlton Moss. Carlton Moss. Carlton so, Moss. I mean, you're like Carlton Moss. You're just continuing, like, right? Continuing the work. Continuing yeah. the work, and I, and I love that, and we appreciate that so much. That's what I'm doing here with Black Crew Call is just to expose more Black people. There are so many opportunities to be involved in movie making. As you know, you said, you know, I might do a film and there's a hundred people on it. You know, if you stay afterwards and you you see the credits, there are so many jobs. So that's what I just wanted people to see. Yeah. Is if you want to be, if you are interested in any way in filmmaking, especially as a Black person, there are Black people out here that are doing it. There are a million jobs you could do. And cinematographer is just one. So I appreciate you shining a light on it and telling us your story and your experience of how it's been for you being a Black man navigating um, cinematography and then going on to be uh, vice president of the ASC is huge and being Emmy nominated, Emmy award winning, um, still doing still photography, still learning, still growing. Cause I think your story is so important for people, um, especially people in our community that are coming into the business and interested in it. So exactly. I just really want to thank you so much for sharing your story and shining a light on um, cinematography and helping us to understand it more. Um, do you have any closing remarks, any last bit of advice you want to give to people coming into the business, specifically Black people coming into the business? Well, I mean, I don't know if they're closing words. I just know that if anyone decides to do this, it has to be 
very important to them. And it has to be like when I used to teach at UCLA and people would come into my classroom. I'd say, how many people want to be this? How many people want to be that? And they'd raise their hands. I say, when I ask you that, I mean, do you really want to be it? Because it's going to have to be the number one thing mm -hmm. in your life. If there's something else you might want to do, you might want to make that the number one thing. Because this one, it's a path that has lots of obstacles, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to take those obstacles as opportunities, you know, to move forward on it. They, they can't be obstacles to you. And everybody who, any artist at all, is doing what they do because of the love of it. It's not for the finances. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of broke days, you know, extremely broke. Destroyed a lot of relationships in terms of family. My mother lived and died and never knew why I couldn't live in Chicago. What the hell was cinematography anyway? You know, wow. I see your name at the end of a movie. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you just have to love what you do. And mine started with a love for photography, which is my first love. And it's, it's the kind of thing that I could do by myself. I paint as well, you know. Oh, wow. So, if you go to my website, John Simmons ASC, you can see some of my works on paper and you'll see my photography as well. Um, but that's my first love. You know, I carry a camera every day. I've been carrying a camera since I was 15 years old. Wow. And, you know, this whole thing, every artist, whenever they do a piece of work, it's a sum total of their entire experience of life. Mm. It's every tear, it's every laugh, it's every piece of music, it's every book, every relationship gets wrapped into that moment, that one creative moment. You can't be afraid of life, you have to live it. You have to experience it, you have to go out and know that this thing is creating a reference and an energy to do stuff and to make stuff mm -hmm. that touches people, hopefully. Yeah. I guess that's it. I guess, I don't know what kind of closing remark that is, but. <laughs> that's an awesome close. That was deep. That was deep. I thought you were going to say, holla at me on Instagram, um, <laughs> like my page. <laughs> so hey, that was way deeper than I was expecting. I love it. I'm here for it. But still, they can holler at me on Instagram and like my page <laughs> <laughs> and like your page too. Okay, okay, okay. And we're, oh, well, we're definitely going to celebrate when you win the Emmy. You're nominated, yeah. and so we're. And you have my numbers off. This is my fifth nomination. This is your fifth. Let me yeah. let me come correct. <laughs> let me make sure. I said fourth. It is fifth. Fact. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm I, well. I'm super excited for you. Thank you so much for coming to to hang out with us. Um, this has been Black Crew Call. I'm your host, K Montgomery. He is John Simmons. Definitely go check out his Instagram page. Go to his website so you can see some of his still photography. He's just doing amazing stuff. So we want to support and uplift him. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. We'll see you next time. Stay black and keep dreaming, fam.
Nice to meet y'all. And special thanks to David Lawrence, who does our editing, and to Kala for our music. 